founders, what's going on. You guys know I love in-person events and they are back. The recording you're about to hear is from our most recent event where we had hundreds of founders come together, share intimate details, templates, KPIs, OKRs about their business. And it was something special, something special. We'd love to meet you in person. If you want to see the next live events we have coming up via our schedule, the link will be down below in the description. If you're listening on iTunes, check this out on YouTube. You'll see the links in the description, or you can just Google Founder Path or Latka next event. We'd love to see you in person. In the meantime, though, enjoy this recording. It's a good one. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. So hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Bo, and uh, I'm the CEO of a social media tool called Contentino, but before I tell you about uh, the mistakes I did along the way, uh, there's a lot of bootstrappers here, right? But w- what about uh, uh, the VC-backed companies? Any, any funded companies here? Please raise your hand. Okay, not so many, but still. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be a story about uh, me uh, trying to get to two, over 2 million euros uh, uh, while bootstrapping. But I think that the funded companies can, uh, can get some insights out of it as well. So, uh, so what we do in Contentino, we are a social media management tool tailored for advertising agencies and brands, and we are helping them to streamline their workflow, collaboration, approvals, etc., etc. So imagine Asana and Hootsuite having a baby. That's what we do. Uh, but also what I'm really grateful about that almost from the day one, uh, we always cared about what's going on around us in the world. And, uh, and we've been always supporting NGOs and organizations along the way. And, and just most recently, we've, we've discussed this Ukraine situation, but Ukraine is actually a neighboring country of Slovakia. Uh, that's where we are based. So, uh, so a week ago, I've actually been on the Slovak-Ukrainian border, uh, volunteering and helping out. And uh, it's, it, it's a sad thing to see. Uh, and what I want to say by this is, that we are all successful here. And I believe that every single business should support a greater cause. It doesn't need to be right now uh, about the Ukraine. It's, it's about the world we live in. And I think that with a little help, if you support financially or whatever way, uh, people or organizations making this world a little better, I think that it's going to be great. So I just encourage you to do that because that was our, our mindset from, from the very beginning uh, when starting the company. Uh, but let's get back to business then. Uh, I, I'm really happy that we've got recognized by, for example, Forbes, 30 under 30. We've got in the list. Uh, we've been the fastest growing tech company in Slovakia, uh, two years in a row and top 10 in Central Europe and Eastern Europe. And we've got over 7,000 agencies and brands uh, using our tool worldwide. So, but can you, can you tell me what is wrong uh, with this graph? This is our uh, revenue growth. What do you think? What, what is wrong with that? Looks pretty good to me, bro. Okay, but, but I've heard that. You, you said it, right? It's linear. Yeah. 
it, it's really it, we, we were trying to bend the curve for quite some time, and we were not really successful by doing that. But I'm going to tell you why, three reasons why we were not able to, to really bend it. So uh, in the next 20 minutes, uh, I'll tell you why you shouldn't play it safe. Uh, and how we accumulated almost $700,000 in cash and profits, even though that was not our plan. Uh, then uh, the second thing is that the hiring challenges. I think that everyone is having hiring challenges. and It was a huge challenge for us because we had no idea who to hire when. And that's one of the mistakes I did. And then maturing up the organization. Uh, we've been very punkish early stage-like organization for over five years. And we had to mature up, we should mature up much earlier and much sooner than we actually did. So, uh, don't play it safe. Um, this is our customer acquisition cost before 2019. 350 US dollars, quite okay. Uh, but what happened is that right now we have 1,100 customer acquisition costs. So why this happened? 90% of our customers came from Facebook ads before 2019. The problem, with, it, it was working beautifully for us. We were running conversion campaigns. So we were basically getting clients all around the globe. You know, we, don't, we didn't see the borders there. Uh, and, and it was working beautifully. The problem there is that it was not scalable. The more money you invested in the Facebook ads, the higher the customer acquisition costs. And then the Cambridge Analytica scandal uh, happened. So they changed the algorithms, changed the attribution modeling and all of that. And all of a sudden, you know, it was not working for us anymore. We drained out this channel. This was the only acquisition channel we were investing in. And we were basically betting on just one, one bucket, one number. Um, so what, what happened just recently, we found out, uh, and before I, before I said this, after 2019, we were living some, like in a vacuum. We had no idea where to invest. We were not sure if we're gonna do uh, Google ads, if we're gonna do uh, search engine optimization, if we're gonna do referrals. We, we had no idea. We were afraid to invest in any of these channels. We were playing with it, but we couldn't really track it properly. Uh, but just most recently, we fixed our, our attribution model and we find out that 60% of our current customers came from word of mouth. This was not our intention. Uh, but we realized that two years ago, we actually started to transforming our organization from uh, customer success into product-led growth. We started to invest in the product marketing. We started to invest in, uh, in, in referrals, et cetera, et cetera. So the word of mouth was not our intention, but it happened to be because all the activities we made. So what happened since we were so scared and we were not sure where to invest money, we accumulated a lot of cash. And then we decided, okay, we gotta grow much more aggressively. Uh, you know, one more thing I'll tell you, we have quite a good churn rate. We have uh, below 2% uh, revenue monthly churn rate. So the churn was not a problem when you take a, take a look at the, at the growth. So what do we need to do? We need to create a very important mind shift. Before that, uh, I think that Rami said that they've got a very poor financial planning, uh, but we didn't have any financial planning before. 
So, so we didn't have any budgeting, any forecasting, nothing like that. It was more like, hey, Bo, can we spend a couple thousand dollars for this activity? And uh, we are expecting this kind of ROI from it. Usually I said yes, because those, those asks for the budget were like a couple thousand dollars. Everyone was afraid to ask like $10,000, $100,000 uh, for the budget. And it was just because we didn't do any proper budgeting and financial planning. So last year, six months ago, we sit down with our account manager, not account manager, he's not even, he's starting to be a good CFO, uh, but he is, he is a junior person, he's, our, he's doing the bookings, and we crunched the numbers. We actually took a look at every single team, their expenses, their activities, and their initiatives, and we put their numbers and when we've seen those numbers, all of a sudden we gain a confidence. All of a sudden we've seen that, okay, this is how much we are spending for each initiative. And we actually thought that, okay, we can spend $100,000, $200,000 for activities and initiatives which had a blurred result. Like the, some, some of the activities you just no, no, don't know how they're going to turn out. They might be risky. And so we gain this confidence and all of a sudden we see that okay, we got to do it much more aggressively. And it was just because we crunched the numbers and it was very, very deep dive. Uh, you can see here that, okay, this is just based on the teams, but it's, it goes much deeper. Uh, by the way, speaking of the transformation from um, customer success organization to product-led growth organization, you can see uh, the blue, uh, what is it, the blue stack, that's the budget for the customer success. So you can see that we are transforming, we are not increasing the budget for, uh, for such activities. So the, the second mistake, uh, what we did is, you know, uh, we were always company of juniors. This is actually uh, a CV from one of our early employees. Uh, she was a freshly graduated marketeer, zero experience. And, uh, you know, these kind of people were the people we really enjoyed to work with. They were passionate freshly graduated and talented, I guess, but, but they were, they've got this grind, they've got this drive. So the passionate people can help you start. They can help you build the foundation, the base, build the culture, but all of a sudden when you have 15 people who are all juniors with zero experience, you get yourself into a problem because you are spending hundreds and hundreds of hours investing into those people guiding them, supervising them, trying to unlock the talent. And, you know, it's, it's not what you should do. So, so this was, again, something we realized that, okay, we need to hire experienced people. Why we didn't hire experienced people before? Because we were afraid. We, they were three times more expensive than the junior people, and we couldn't really justify the cost. We didn't know that the ROI of such, such roles will, will be justifiable. So... However, we did that and didn't we realize that the experienced people, you just give them the OKRs, the goals, the rocks, whatever uh, management methodology you use, and they will just report to you. They will bring the results immediately. That's the big difference, uh, one of the biggest differences between having a junior, passionate people and the experienced folks. Um, the second mistake I did when it comes to people management, I wasted two years with a junior le leadership. Uh, it sounds harsh, uh, but it is what it is. And I'm going to tell you a story uh, about our CTO. Um, Contentino actually started an advertising agency, uh, and they hired me 
to actually commercialize the business to, to, to build the business. So at the beginning, there was just me and one software developer. Then later on, we hired two more software developers. And naturally, the first software developer became a CTO. The CTO was, was very talented, great software developer, but he didn't have what it takes to be a good leader, a good CTO. He didn't have the strategic mindset about things. He, he didn't really understand the, the scalability for technology and stuff like that. And we spent years trying to get him to where he, where he needed to be. Uh, but it didn't work out. It was frustrated for, for all of us. And at the end, he almost left the company as a bad lever. So after that, after he left, of course, we, we hired an experienced CTO, and it was a game changer. He came there, and he identified the problems. Uh, this is actually a picture when, he was, when we were drawing the architecture of our software solution, and we were identifying what parts of the code no one ever touched uh, before, other than the leaving CTO. So it, it was challenging, but it, it brought its fruits, and the team, even the team got more motivated because of the, the leadership. I bet you can't guess what SaaS founders waste the most time on after they pass 15 employees. Think about it. Think about it when you onboard a new team member. How much time as a founder do you take to set up their email account, get them added to the Trello board? If it's a sales hire, you've got to onboard them to Salesforce or Slack. This is a terrible use of your time as a founder. You should be thinking about big, long-term objectives and strategy, not IT support. That's why more firms, more SaaS founders are relying on Electric for IT support. For example, Chris at Sendoso has well over 24 million bucks in revenue today, broke a $540 million valuation last year, and he spends zero time on technical onboarding for new hires. He relies on Electric IT support to onboard 10 to 20 new teammates per quarter. Now, Electric is best fit for US-based companies with between 15 and 500 employees. They reached out and said, Nathan, we love your audience. We love SaaS. Can we put Electric in front of them? And I said, yes. So check them out today at nathanlatka.com forward slash electric. And as you guys know, in Latka style, I said, you gotta sweeten the deal. So they said, Nathan, for your folks, just for taking a meeting, they'll get a free pair of Beats Studio Buds. Now, I looked up these buds on Amazon. It's $120 value. So to get those buds, again, just for taking a meeting, go visit nathanlacka.com forward slash electric today. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash electric. The second mistake I did is a story of our CMO. It's a copy-paste story. It's the same mistake. She was the first girl in marketing very talented, very passionate. She was a great marketeer. All of a sudden, she's got seven employees in a team. And again, uh, we paid a lot of consultants for her, a lot of coaches. We spent a lot of time on her to get her to be a good leader and strategist. But she didn't get what it takes. But luckily, even though we were both very frustrated, she said, like, okay, I, this is not for me. She left the company. We hired a new CMO. And again, a game changer. The point here is that people usually think in organization that the only way how they can grow in your organization is vertically. So when they are three years in your company, they're expecting that they will be uh, team leaders and managers. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. People can also grow horizontally. They can become uh, subject matter experts. They can become like uh, internal consultants in your company. And 
And this is actually still happening. Uh, we are right now, we are hiring a uh, head of customer success and uh, a senior customer success manager. She raised her hand like, hey, I want to apply for that position. I think that uh, it, I got all what it takes. We sit down with her and we very openly and transparently talk through that, that we don't think that she's got what it takes. She's a great customer success manager, but she's missing a certain soft skills which are very hard to learn or gain. Same thing happened with a head of marketing. When we were hiring one, we've got a growth manager. He raised her hand. I want to be a head of marketing. And again, it's a completely different job to be a head of marketing and being a growth manager. And the good thing is that they understood. And they're super happy. They're still with us. They are bringing a lot of impact to the company. They, grew, they are growing horizontally. And, and they are happy. If we would try to push them immediately to the, to the, to the leadership role, it might, it might end up very, very sad. Uh, so, the third mistake, uh, maturing up the organization. For five years, we, we've been very punkish. Uh, we, you know, the only mature thing we did was OKRs, and even though we implemented the OKRs, we didn't implement it very well, so it was not really working for us. Right now it's working. So we were, we were very, very punkish. Uh, but what we had to do when we realized, like, okay, we gotta invest more heavily into growth. We gotta hire more people as well. So we we created this playbook. Like, uh, we grew actually our FTE headcount from 18 to 45 in nine months. And this is what we did. We did a very simple SWOT analysis of each team. We just needed to understand what's working, what's not. Let's let, let's just identify the things which need to change or we need to keep. Uh, then we had to define the roles and responsibilities in each team, if they make sense or not, or if we are missing some roles. And actually with, with the roles you are missing in each team, the senior management will help. When they will come, they will identify like, okay, these are the roles we are missing in a team, we gotta hire them. Uh, and once you identify the roles you need, you gotta hire the talent acquisition specialist. Actually, I hired 20 people myself and it's a time consuming, you know, it's great when you're hiring from the beginning because you are building the base, the, the early employees, the building the culture, and you should still be in, in the hiring process, but you shouldn't be this, doing the screening calls, etc. So, so hire the talent acquisition specialist as soon as you can. And the last thing that very important, uh, we were always hiring roles which had a direct impact on the revenue. We always thought that, okay, we need to have people who will bring the new MRR or retain the MRR. But we haven't realized that, okay, we need to have people like back office managers, like HR people, like project managers, the people who lubricate the engine, the, who, who actually help the engine to run. And this was a very important mind shift with it. Uh, and hire yourself a COO. So 80% of my time I was spending was in the organization. I was doing actually the COO kind of tasks for the past six years. And uh, in order to be a CEO and uh, think about the big picture, the big strategy and uh, creating the partnerships, you need to free up your hands and you need someone who will run the organization for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm super lucky uh, because I found my CEO, actually she's here, uh, her name is Hannah. And, uh, and she started, as, she was one of the first employees in Contentino. She started as a customer success manager, then she became head of customer success, so she grew vertically, it's happening, right? 
Uh, and now she's becoming the CEO because she was uh, the natural leader. Her team was beautifully working. And, and, uh, and you know, COO is someone who is working with you on daily, base, uh, on daily basis. It's like your second partner. So if you are lucky enough and you have someone in your company who've got the traits of becoming the COO and you, you click and you understand and you uh, like complement your skill sets, you gotta, you gotta find this, this person in your, in your company. Because I think that hiring a COO from the outside works but I found it kind of very hard and you need to be fortunate to find someone who you would click immediately that you would feel that, okay, this is, this is the partner I want to work with. Uh, and this is important. One call, uh, it's all what it takes to make a good decision. You know, uh, sometimes it takes a while to make a good decision, not because you don't know what the good decision is, but because you are afraid to make a good decision, because you are not sure. And sometimes you need an approval of that decision from someone else. And this is, this is an email. We've got an introduction to one experienced CTO uh, because we've got this challenge. Our development was slow and delayed for six to nine months. We were supposed to release some features and we were just super late and our customers were still begging us like, what's up, you told us it's going to be in August, but it's, it's December. So we knew about this problem but we didn't know what to solve it. So we hop on a call with this uh, experienced CTO, Etienne. We talked with him and he immediately told us like, hey guys, you've got this completely wrong. You gotta hire a project manager, experienced project manager. You gotta switch, switch from waterfall to scrum and agile and it's gonna solve your problem. So that's what we did. And it was just one hour call. We wouldn't come up with it. I mean, we've got several options. This was not a breakthrough idea. We were thinking about it, that this might be a solution for that, but we didn't do it. So, and now we are thinking, okay, we've got all these changes, how it impacted the, the MRR. We were pushing on the new gross MRR forever. And it always looked the same, like Q1, Q2, Q3. For the past two years, it looked like that. We started hiring processes, started to implementing all the changes in Q2 and in Q3, and within a quarter, we could already see the result. And in Q1, uh, which is just right now happening, the Q1 is going to be even better than the Q4. So one quarter after implementing all the changes, being more aggressive in, in, uh, in the financing, uh, being more aggressive in investment, hiring the right people, we already could see uh, the difference in the MRR. With that being said, there's one disadvantage, I believe, what all bootstrappers have. We are kind of like a lonely wolves, you know? We don't have any experienced board of directors. Sometimes we don't have many people we could talk with. And, and, and this is like comparing to VC, like, like what my friends who are having companies uh, which are <coughs> VC-backed, when they found the right investor, which they click, you know, smart money, we, we've heard it several times, you know, these are the people who can guide you, who can supervise you, who, who you can have a chat with, and who can challenge you. This is what the bootstrappers are missing uh, in a day-to-day -day basis. So in order to solve this, you gotta build your network ASAP. You gotta find the right people, you gotta find the experienced people who've been in your shoes already, who experience your situation, and this way, you basically can have the chat and they can guide you and tell you and identify like, okay, this is what you should do or give you the approval. Yes, you are making the right decision. Do it straight away. 
So build your network as soon as possible. With that being said, we are actually trying to, not trying, but we are actually building an advisory board. We are looking for anyone who is experienced enough to help us to, to grow and scale the business. Uh, so if you are or if you know any advisors, coaches, mentors, whoever who is excited about this one, uh, just yeah, uh, ping me and let's have a chat. I would love to, I would love to know, uh, get to know you if we can find something uh, work, workable. Uh, so just to sum it up, uh, don't be safe. You are in recurring revenue business. If you crunch the numbers, you can step on the gas pedal and you shouldn't be really worried about. Just crunch the numbers, don't play it safe, and invest heavily into growth. Uh, passionate people are great from the beginning. Don't be afraid to hire the experience. I know they're super expensive, but they will bring results. And the last thing, uh, mature up the organization. Uh, you know it's fun to be a startup. Uh, it's fun to be creative and, and uh, do it everything like punk way, but the better system you put, the sooner you will see the results of the well-working system. So that's it. Thank you so much, and, uh, and I hope to chat with you. Thank you, Bo. We actually have a few moments now that we've won back some time. Is there any questions that you guys want to ask Bo before we switch? Bo, are you guys ever thinking about raising, or is it bootstrap fully? We are thinking about raising, but we want to get to four to five million as soon as possible. Then we start to be interesting for for uh, VCs, which are interesting for us as well. So that's our first milestone: four to five million ARR. Well, one more final round of applause for Bo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>